Welcome to Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee, a podcast brought to you by the Tennessee Initiative for Perinatal Quality Care. TIPQC exists to improve health outcomes for mothers and infants in Tennessee through our quality collaborative that will identify opportunities to optimize maternal and infant outcomes across our state and is funded under a grant contract with the state of Tennessee. The Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee podcast is designed for medical professionals and for patients and families across the state. We will focus on all aspects of the perinatal period with special attention to reducing our maternal mortality rate. This podcast is brought to you through a cooperative agreement with the Alliance for Innovation on Maternal Health. Welcome to the Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee podcast, brought to you by the Tennessee Initiative for Perinatal Quality Care. I'm Karen Skatsina, the Infant Medical Director of TIPQC. Every two years, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, or CDC, surveys the maternity practices in infant nutrition and care, better known as MPINC, which assesses maternity care and breastfeeding practices. The survey measures care practices and policies that impact newborn feeding, feeding education, staff skills, and discharge support. In 2022, 45 of 59 eligible hospitals in Tennessee participated or 76%. Each participating hospital received the report in June. Tennessee has improved on their MPINC scores from a 70 in 2020 to a 72 in 2022. And those scores are out of a possible 100. The nation received an 81. Today, we are going to discuss the national and state MPINC results with representatives from the CDC, Dr. Lucas Godson and Lieutenant Kristen Marks. They are going to share results and the ongoing work to improve newborn feeding and support and maternity care practices. Lieutenant Kristen Marks is a scientific officer in the United States Public Health Service and an epidemiologist with the CDC's Maternal, Infant, and Toddler Nutrition Team. Lieutenant Marks received her graduate training at Emory University in epidemiology. Dr. Lucas Gosden is a health scientist with the CDC's Maternal, Infant, and Toddler Nutrition Team. Dr. Gosden received his graduate training at Emory University in Nutrition and Health Sciences. Dr. Gosden and Lieutenant Marks are both alumni of the CDC's Epidemiologic Intelligence Service. They and the Maternal, Infant, and Toddler Nutrition Team conduct CDC's National Survey of Maternity Care Practices in Infant Nutrition and Care. Welcome to you both, and thank you for talking with me. Thank you so much for having us. So let's get started. Can you first each share a little more about your career and what sparked your interest in serving in your current roles? Yes, I can go first. I am, as you said, Lieutenant Kristen Marks. I am a scientist officer in the U.S. Public Health Service and an epidemiologist with CDC's Maternal, Infant, and Toddler Nutrition Team. I've previously worked on nutrition issues in mostly maternal and child populations at the state and federal level, as well as within academia. Throughout my work, I've always been interested in pregnancy and infant health, 
because a healthy start sets children on the trajectory for good health across the life course. So for example, in graduate school, my doctoral dissertation examined prenatal exposure to environmental contaminants and its impact on birth size and later health outcomes. Now, as the epidemiologist for the Maternity Practices in Infant Nutrition and Care, or MPINC, survey, I'm part of a team that collects data on maternity practices supportive of breastfeeding. We know the birth hospitalization is an important time and place as nearly all infants are born in a hospital in the United States. And while their stay may be very short, experiences with breastfeeding in the first hours and days of life significantly influence an infant's later feeding. I'm Dr. Lucas Gosson. I'm a health scientist, also on the same team as Kristen. My training is in public health and nutrition. Uh, my PhD research focused on prevention of anemia, as well as iron and folic acid deficiencies among adolescents. And my career has really been focused on maternal and child nutrition, primarily in international settings. But in the past couple of years, I've had a more domestic focus working with health departments and hospitals to improve our understanding of health issues for women, those who are pregnant, and children. My interest in nutrition is really rooted in my upbringing on my family's farm in Alabama. There, I developed a very personal understanding of the origins of the food we eat. And later in adulthood, I first saw the importance of early life nutrition, working with local health professionals as a Peace Corps volunteer in Peru. There, I witnessed the difference that good nutrition makes in growth and development, and that was really the inspiration for me to pursue this career. My current work on MPINC supports hospitals and health departments across the U.S. so that they can give families the support they need to meet their breastfeeding goals. Well, thank you both so much for sharing your stories. I just always love hearing about our guests' career pathways. Tell us about the MPINC survey and how this survey came to be used. Absolutely. So about every two years, CDC invites all hospitals that provide maternity care across the U.S. and territories to complete the MPINC survey. The questions focus on specific parts of maternity care that affect how babies are fed. The purpose of MPINC is to assess practices and provide hospitals with feedback about how well their practices and policies support breastfeeding. To give you a little background on the history of MPINC, Research from the 1990s and early 2000s showed that hospitals play a critical role in supporting breastfeeding. At the time, some local and state efforts had been made to assess hospital practices supportive of breastfeeding, but there were no national data on the implementation of supportive practices. So in 2003, CDC began to explore the feasibility of national surveillance of maternity care practices related to breastfeeding. And the first MPINC survey was implemented in 2007. So looking ahead to present day, the current MPINC survey measures hospital practices and policies related to breastfeeding, such as rooming in and feeding education and support. We most recently surveyed hospitals in 2022. And as was mentioned earlier, those reports were sent to hospitals at the beginning of the summer. Yeah, the, the MPINC hospital reports are a really great resource for hospitals and maternity care providers that can be used in a lot of different ways. CDC sends a report to every hospital that responded to the survey, and those reports show specific areas where changes can be made to support breastfeeding mothers. So doctors, nurses, and hospital administrators, and others can use this report to identify and celebrate the areas where they did well. And on the other hand, they can also identify areas where they can improve their policies and practices to better support their maternity patients. 
And many hospitals compare their scores to state and national averages as a way to see where they're doing well and where there are areas for improvement. The MPINC reports are also a great tool for state and local health departments, and they can use MPINC data to work with their partner organizations, with policymakers and other health professionals to improve evidence-based maternity care policies and practices in states. And our next survey, which might interest your listeners, is going to be rolling out in January 2024. And all hospitals that provided maternity care during 2023 are eligible to participate. That's a very helpful reminder. And this survey provides so much valuable information about practices that we know impact infant feeding and breastfeeding. Can you tell us more about the results of the 2022 survey, including about Tennessee's results? Yes, I have a lot to tell you about these results. So nationally, just shy of 2,000 hospitals participated in MPINC in 2022. MPINC scores have risen over the past few years. In 2022, the national score was 81 out of 100 possible points. So that's up two points from 2018, and it's really great to see these improvements over time. And focusing on Tennessee, 76% of Tennessee hospitals participated in MPINC in 2022, which is a higher participation rate than what we saw nationally at 72%. So we're really happy to see that Tennessee hospitals are so engaged with MPINC. In 2022, Tennessee's overall score was 72, which is nine points below the national average. That being said, Tennessee's 2022 score increased two points from the previous survey's results, which is on par with the improvements that were made nationally. And if you take a look at our MPINC reports, you'll see that MPINC results are grouped into six categories of maternity care practices, and each of these categories is given a subscore. There are six categories. They are immediate postpartum care, rooming in, feeding practices, feeding education and support, dish support, and institutional management. I won't go into detail in all of these categories and their subscores today, but I will give you a few highlights. Tennessee, like the rest of the nation, does well in feeding education and support, which includes items like identifying feeding cues and breastfeeding problems. In 2022, Tennessee had a subscore of 94, which is identical to the national subscore in this area. The five other subscores are lower for Tennessee than the nation as a whole. In particular, the subscore for the immediate postpartum care category in Tennessee at a score of 64 is 20 points lower than the national score for this category at 84. This category includes immediate skin-to-skin contact, the transition from delivery to rooming in, and monitoring following birth. Focusing on positive changes and improvements, the subscore with the biggest increase in recent years was institutional management. In Tennessee, the institutional management subscore increased from 60 to 67 between 2020 and 2022. Nationally, it increased from 71 to 76. This institutional management category covers items like assessment of staff competencies, acquisition of formula, and written policies. It assesses several items that document compliance with the International Code of Marketing of Breast Milk Substitutes, which aims to ensure that breast milk substitutes are available when needed, but not promoted. We saw that over 9 in 10 Tennessee hospitals kept track of exclusive breastfeeding throughout the hospitalization. This was Tennessee's highest scoring component of institutional management. However, only 16% of hospitals paid fair market price for infant formula. Research shows 
that hospitals that pay fair market price for infant formula have reduced in-hospital formula supplementation and increased in-hospital exclusive breastfeeding and breastfeeding duration. So this is an area with opportunities for improvement. Tennessee also made progress from 2020 to 2022 in the rooming in category, where the SEP score increased by six points from 61 to 67. There wasn't notable progress in this area observed nationally, and the subscore remained at 76. So for a little more detail on this, 71% of Tennessee hospitals reported rooming in 24 hours per day, but only 18% said that routine newborn exams, procedures, and care occurred in the mother's room. So we're encouraged by the progress and see some opportunities for improvement. And we will have links to these reports in the show notes for today's podcast. So I am proud of Tennessee's hospitals for first participating in this survey and for the improvement that we've seen. There's clearly more work to be done and improving is what TIPQC is all about. So we'd love to hear more from you about any suggestions you have, perhaps examples from other states for what could be done to improve these survey scores and ultimately breastfeeding. As you and all of your listeners know that many people play a role in making breastfeeding easier and more attainable. These can include state and local governments, communities, workplaces, childcare agencies, hospitals and clinics, other healthcare providers, lactation support providers, social support service providers, and more. States and healthcare settings like hospitals and medical offices definitely play an essential role in implementing practices and policies that encourage and support breastfeeding. And the MPINC reports can be used to do just that. We've seen states and hospitals implement some innovative programs and ideas that have made a positive impact on their MPINC scores. So one state first looked at their state report for opportunities for improvement, and then they engaged with partners to create videos graphic tools, and talking points to promote opportunities for improvement. Those tools were distributed widely to all hospitals in the state, and each hospital was offered one-on-one coaching by state health department, by the state health department and their partners. We've also seen the state partner with their maternity hospitals to establish a breastfeeding task force. The task force used MPINC data to create targeted resources for the hospitals to use, and to set a goal of increasing certain MPINC subscores, like Kristen was talking about, by 10% on the next MPINC survey. And after that next survey closed, the state was able to look at their data and found that their hospitals exceeded their 10% increase goal. This achievement showcased the positive outcome that can come from working together as a, as a collaborative. Key element of these approaches is that collaboration especially among the groups that represent populations most at risk for not breastfeeding. One specific example is the Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services, who partnered with a community organization, Uzazi Village, on a report that identified and addressed the gaps in care when comparing the experiences that Black mothers have in hospitals to baby-friendly hospital standards, which are the evidence-based maternity practices that support breastfeeding. So there are many opportunities for making breastfeeding easier and more attainable through collaboration at multiple levels to implement breastfeeding supportive practices in hospitals. So some great examples of partnerships and collaborations. 
I wondered if you had any other suggestions for hospitals, what to do when they receive their survey results. So hospitals who complete the MPINC survey, like we said, receive the report from CDC with their scores. And those can be used in a lot of different ways. These scores can tell hospitals where they're doing well and where changes can be made to better support breastfeeding families. To give you a few examples, first, hospitals often use MPINC as part of quality improvement initiatives and to see how they align with baby-friendly standards. They can also use the MPINC questions to determine standards of care, and they may base their quality initiatives off their lowest scoring questions. So for instance, if a hospital scores low in the institutional management category, they might work to improve their policies and documentation by creating written policies related to breastfeeding and developing systems to track exclusive breastfeeding throughout the entire hospitalization. Another example in the rooming in category would be changing the location of routine exams and screenings to maintain best practices for rooming in. A second example, hospitals also use their MPINC reports for benchmarking. They compare their own scores cycle after cycle to see where they can make improvements. And they also compare to their state's average scores and can use that as leverage in making practice changes. Third, we've also heard about hospitals using their reports for staff motivation. Hospitals highlight key areas where they did well, and they can post the report on bulletin boards for staff to see. Staff motivation also comes from these regional and national comparisons to validate and celebrate the work they're doing. Lastly, MPINC is important in staff education. Hospitals may use MPINC scores as a driver to provide more staff education in lower scoring areas. They may post reports to internal platforms used by their staff, and overall, they try to increase staff awareness of MPINC and why it's important. So thank you. Lots of very helpful examples for how hospitals can take action based on their MPINC results. Let's back up and talk about the why. What are the benefits of breastfeeding and why is hospital support for breastfeeding important? Breastfeeding has health benefits for both babies and mothers. Those who breastfed have a lower risk of high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes, ovarian cancer, and breast cancer. Infants who are fed breast milk have a lower risk of asthma, obesity, type 1 diabetes, severe lower respiratory disease, ear infections, sudden infant death syndrome, gastrointestinal infections, and for preterm infants, necrotizing enterocolitis. And so we want these benefits to reach as many families as possible but this requires safe and supportive environments for breastfeeding. Hospitals are key partners in creating such environments. In the United States, nearly all infants are born in a hospital. Their stay is typically very short, but events during this time have lasting effects. Experiences with breastfeeding in the first hours and days of life set the trajectory for an infant's later feeding. Scientific evidence shows that infants born in hospitals with practices supportive of breastfeeding have improved breastfeeding outcomes. So are there any infant nutrition or breastfeeding resources that you would like to highlight for health professionals or for moms and families? Sure. The first that comes to mind is our physician education and training collaboration with the American Academy of Pediatrics which is located on our website. This project includes several resources that are useful for medical providers. Through this project, we provide training and education resources that cover several projects 
several topics related to breastfeeding. One example includes ways that medical schools can incorporate breastfeeding education into their training. And then another example is training that medical providers receive on types of lactation support providers and the support that they can provide to breastfeeding families. I also wanted to highlight one resource that both hospitals and states can use alongside their MPINC data. CDC developed a tool called the MPINC 10 Steps Assessment Tool, and this helps hospitals assess how they're doing with each of the 10 steps to successful breastfeeding, also known as the 10 Steps, developed by the World Health Organization and UNICEF. And this tool identifies which items from CDC's MPINC survey align with each of the 10 steps. The tool is intended for use by state and local health departments, breastfeeding coalitions, and institutions and organizations working with hospitals on quality improvement in maternity care practices. It can also be used by hospitals to assess their own implementation of the 10 steps and to highlight areas of strength and needed improvement. We also want to mention our very own website, which is a resource that health providers can provide to families. It has information on infant and toddler nutrition including breastfeeding, formula feeding, and complementary foods. These pages provide information specifically for families about feeding their child. We encourage all of, our lis- all of our listeners to visit the links in the podcast description to learn more about the tool along with other resources on our web pages. Well, thank you both so much for talking with me today. You've shared a lot of important information. You've got us looking forward to the 2024 MPIG survey. And I think for our listeners, no matter what their profession is or what the role is, you've given a lot of ideas for how we can collaborate to improve maternity care practices and infant feeding. So thank you for that. I wanted to give each of you the opportunity to share any final closing thoughts. And if you want to, share a quote that you think of often or live your life by. So the best way to keep up to date with CDC's MPINC survey is to join our listserv. And CDC developed this listserv to inform hospitals, states, and partners about MPINC surveys and to provide periodic updates on the status of the MPINC survey, including information about our next survey in 2024, which is launching in January. If any listeners would like to sign up or send it to their partners, they can email us at mpink at cdc.gov. That's M-P-I-N-C at cdc.gov. Or you can visit the links in the podcast description. And this may or may not be relevant depending on when listeners are tuning in, but we will be hosting a pre-launch webinar about the 2024 MPINK survey for hospitals and partners. Topics will include what to expect and how to prepare for the 2024 survey. And to better accommodate busy schedules, identical webinars will take place on December 6th and December 12th. Information on how to sign up for a webinar will be sent through our MPINC listserv. And as a final closing thought about quotes and things we think of often, I often think of the idea of planting trees under whose shade you won't sit. It always resonates with me. I take it to mean that when we make decisions, We should consider the next generation that stands to benefit from or suffer the consequences of our decisions. I'm thankful to be part of work focused on that very idea of giving future generations the best start possible. Thank you both again. Thank you again for having us. Thanks for having us. 
you for listening to this episode of Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee, presented by TipQC. TipQC is funded under a grant contract with the state of Tennessee. Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee is brought to you through a cooperative agreement with the Alliance for Innovation on Maternal Health. Do you have ideas for a future guest or topic, or even have a question you would like answered on upcoming episodes? Visit www.tipqc.org, that's T-I-P-Q-C.org, and click on podcast to submit suggestions and questions to our podcast team. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast to be the first to know when new episodes are available and find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube to stay in the loop with our active projects and other relevant news relating to perinatal health in Tennessee.